This is a production of Cornell University. Hello and welcome to the Cornell Turfgrass Shortcut Podcast, your weekly connection to turfgrass information brought to you by Cornell University's Turfgrass Program in partnership with the New York State Turfgrass Association. My name is Frank Rossi. I'm the Associate Professor of Turfgrass Science in the Department of Horticulture here at Cornell University. And the following are observations and recommendations for the week of April 26, 2010. Well, a wet, cool start to the week, but still very dry spring to date. Another one of those odd weather facts where our region is anywhere from 25 to 50% of normal precipitation, and yet it does not have the odd feel of very dry weather. Must be due to very wet month of March. In any case, this week the rains will aid with seed establishment, most effectively uncoated seed, and weed emergence and development. Still early for most to be applying broadleaf weed control north of the Hudson Valley. Most have crabgrass materials down now, and Rich Buckley says we still have a few weeks before we have to be concerned with active anthracnose management on the golf course. The forecast uh, information from our Northeast Climate Center last week was the fourth warm week in a row with most areas two to three degrees above normal. Degree day accumulation still about one to two weeks ahead of normal. Ideal dandelion control recommendations for the ester formulation still only in the New York metro area and in the Hudson Valley would be considered favorable. A dry week for most of the state with less than half an inch region wide. However, upstate New York between a half and one inch. April will end about 50% short of normal precip. And as you move to the metro New York area and south, only about 25% of normal precipitation that we would get in the month of April. So it, in fact, has been a fairly dry spring, probably not feeling that way with the absolute inundated rainfall we got in March. ET was about one inch uh, in the Philly area and south and about six-tenths of an inch for the rest of the region. Soils at the two-inch depth were low in the 50s in the north and low to the 60s in the south. A rain and cool start to the week with highs only, this is the forecast now, (laughs) A rainy and cool start to the week with highs only in the mid-50s and low-60s. Rainfall amounts closer to one inch south and a half an inch to the north. Later in the week, dry conditions will return with normal temps, lows in the 40s, highs in the 60s. You can check out all the weather information and predictive maps at the forecast website, www.nrcc.cornell.edu backslash grass. Now, there is, in fact, a disease risk. Moderate dollar spot risk is predicted for late week. Uh, along the I-95 corridor in Long Island. And you'd expect that with the uh, dry weather followed by a heavy dew formation, which we're starting to see a little bit more of. The Cornell Cooperative Extension update, again, begins with Walt Nelson's report from the Finger Lakes. Tipula pallidosa, or the European crane fly, has been observed in the region. Widespread annual bluegrasses in flower and knotweed is filling in the compacted gaps on lawns near sidewalks and sports fields. From the Capital District, Dave Chinnery, questions are starting to come in on grub control and feeding the lawn this spring. Also, many newly established lawns are covered with a light green grassy weed, either a pasture species such as as orchard grass from contaminated straw or annual ryegrass from the landscape pro mixes folks use by mistake. The Westchester Report from Jerry Giordano and Rick Harper. Continued dry conditions has prompted questions about irrigation. The best approach for homeowners is to schedule deep and infrequent applications on most soils. This will typically mean irrigating to the depth of the root zone that right now might be in the three to four inch depth for most grasses. But not annual bluegrass, though, as that is a shallow root species.
Of course, determining how much water to use can be made easy by checking the irrigation page at the forecast website where you simply put in your zip code the last time there was a rain event or that you irrigated, and it will tell you about how much water you'll need to apply. And finally, from Long Island, Tom Kowalsik reports that generally good growing conditions and some irrigation is underway, and many are sending in soil samples in for pH testing and calls about broadleaf weed control. The United States Golf Association, up, Golf Association update this week from Jim Skorolski, senior agronomist for the Northeast region, talks, begins talking about recovery from winter injury. The warm-up in March and dry conditions allowed for earlier seeding and the germination in mid-late March at some golf courses was impressive. However, the freeze we experienced later in March together with heavy rain, especially along the coast, was not helpful and have caused a setback in the recovery programs. Annual bluegrass that looked okay deteriorated following the cold weather in March. Overall, I'm still positive considering the fact that most have seed up and growing at this early in April and that partially damaged annual bluegrass is showing signs of recovery on its own. A second wave of seeding was initiated at many courses last week and covers are still being used to heat things up and keep them warm during cooler nights. Don't let the moderate temperatures fool you in regards to irrigating the recovering areas. It's easy to dry out even with the covers so close. Keep the, it's easy to dry out even with the covers so close to keep the young seedling plants weak, annual bluegrass moist. So keep the annual bluegrass seedlings moist and annual bluegrass at this critical period of time. Boy, that was... <laughs> it is a tough start for many, and despite the setback, I think we are still thankful for the warmer weather and sun we've been experiencing this spring. The Sports Turf update from Joanne Grudadorio, our Sports Turf Specialist here at Cornell University. Spring weed management, this, this, this issue. Dandelion control is most effective in the fall with post-emergent herbicides. Um, if planning to deal with the dandelions now, wait until the growing degree day forecast model indicates, and we've talked about that earlier in the forecast website, from a single application from 2,4-D. At that stage, herbicides will translocate down to the plant for more effective control. There are many post-emergent combination products available that can be used to control dandelions and other broadleaf weeds. Although ester formulations are usually more effective at this time of year, when temperatures reach 60 to 70 degrees, there is a chance of drift, which can injure susceptible non-target plants, so select amine formulations, and be sure to check the forecast website for when it's a good time to do that. Do not mow before making the herbicide application and wait two days after application to begin mowing. Be sure to delay applications if rain is in the forecast. Knotweed is a summer annual that dominates when conditions do not favor the turf and when recommended practices are not followed. This weed can take over a field. Knotweed thrives in compacted soils where turf cover is gone and soil temperatures are high. Check your fields now to determine if you have any knotweed and to what extent you can determine your management strategies. Your options include reducing compaction by coring, improving turf density by overseeding, and applying an herbicide. Common broadleaf herbicides are generally not effective at controlling knotweed, offering just poor to fair control. Dicamba can be applied now at the lower recommended rate uh, and is a better choice. Repeat applications usually will be needed to control this one. It's important to have a full understanding of the herbicides we use, so obtain the product label and check with the Cornell's 2010 Pest Management Guidelines for Commercial Turf Grass found at ipmguidelines.org for recommended rates, efficacy, and persistence of registered herbicides in New York. Research indicates that when used properly, herbicide applications do not pose water quality concerns and have low environmental toxicity. The Rutgers Diagnostic Update from our good friend Rich Buckley, the laboratory coordinator for uh, the diagnostic services at Rutgers. 
Starts out with anthracnose basal crown rot. As always, an early season concern. Small dime-sized spots of yellow turf that represent individual infected plants are dying during warm periods with moderate transpiration demands. Recognize the disease as an overwintering infection and not an active disease. Outbreak. Seeing this now might make me wary of problems later in the season, but it's not really a threat at this point. We do not have precise data that indicates when Colototricum cereali starts to grow and spread, but anecdotal evidence and old-time personal communication from mid-century turf pathologists implicate soil temperatures near 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Like I said, little solid data, but if you start your anthracnose control programs by mid-May, you should be fine. Another comment about yellow tuft disease. Some folks might get crazy about yellow tuft when they see yellow plants at this time of year. In fact, the yellow, yellow tuft manifests itself as annual bluegrass like pale green as opposed to yellow plant. Yellow tuft is active on the turf farm at Rutgers at this time in the velvet bentgrass and the annual bluegrass research plots. The fungus Sclerophthora macrospora is very active in cooler wet soils. We can implicate the wet weather in March and the turf farm's higher clay content soils as predisposing factors for the disease. Infected plants are light green and consist of a proliferation of shoots and adventitious roots from a single crown. They pull up easily, so I often recommend a light verticut to simply yank out the offending plants. Infected plants generally die in the summer heat. Yellow tuft is easily prevented with fungicides. Drench, subdue, max, plus medallion twice in the spring. And finally, my gazing in the grass comment this week focuses on coated seed you'd find in the garden center. As consumers head to the garden centers, many may get questions about coated seed. Products such as Scott's Easy Seed are coated with a cornstarch material that can absorb 400 times its own weight in water. Over the years, many have studied seed coating with fertilizer and pesticides and found no benefit to the use of coating. A more recent study from New Mexico State University's Burt Linehour on the cornstarch coating also confirmed no benefit on germination and only a slight benefit to establishment over time. It is worth noting that there was a significant effect of the coated seed to improve establishment when low seed rate and improper irrigation is used, but again, this effect appeared slightly. When considering this type of seed, it is likely best only for patching areas as very expensive and upon close inspection of the seed label indicates you're buying mostly the coating by weight and very little seed when compared to a less expensive uncoated seed. The best advice is to spend your money on the best seed species and variety, seed it at the right rate and mulch to ensure adequate moisture. I assure you that this will be a much more cost-effective strategy in the long run. And we encourage you to check out our turf industry calendar for the latest educational offerings throughout New York State at www.hort.cornell.edu backslash turf backslash events backslash calendar dot htm. Thank you for joining me for the weekly installment of the Cornell Turfgrass Shortcut Podcast, your weekly connection to turfgrass information. I'm Frank Rossi, Associate Professor of Horticulture here at Cornell University, and I hope you have a great week. This has been a production of Cornell University, on the web at cornell.edu.